0: Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. These are the words that begin our scripture lesson this morning, words that come from the mouth of that great prophet Isaiah in the Hebrew Bible, ringing out across the centuries and down to us this morning to usher in another holy season of Advent and a new church year. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. It is a profound and powerful statement, a cry to God to act with immediacy and make himself visibly known once and for all. And I have to say, this year more than ever before, that cry to God seems more honest and more real than any other Advent I can remember, at least in my 46 years. For me, I think the only other Advent arrival that's been any way close to this one was probably the first Sunday of the season of Advent that came to us in November of the year 2001. That year is certainly a year that I will never, ever forget. All of us Americans had just a few months earlier watched two planes crash into the World Trade Center buildings in New York City, and then another dive into the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and a fourth plane crash in a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Nearly 3,000 people died in one day, and I think it's safe and true to say that our world and our culture shifted. And I still remember how full the churches grew to be as the days went on that late fall and Advent finally arrived. We as a nation were just as desperate to move towards the joy of Christmas at that time while we stood in the trauma which none of us ever thought could have ever happened before. This year, 19 years later, for those of us who are feeling safe enough to be able to be here inside the church, we too... I believe, are trying to find our way closer to God again this Advent season, longing for the hope and the happiness of Christmas while standing ourselves smack dab in the middle of a frightening pandemic. In nine months, over 266,000 Americans have died from a virus that continues to evade our full understanding. For me, anyway, this year is definitely another year in which I never dreamed I would pass through. I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but when I read again the prophet Isaiah crying out this morning to God, saying, tear open the heavens and come down, I think I'm right there with him, maybe more than I've ever been before. And I suspect all of us are more than ready to see that very thing, God tearing open the heavens and coming down, as the scriptures say, and as we heard in that first hymn, with clouds descending to get us out of this mess of a year. So then what are we to do when it appears that God isn't exactly tearing the heavens open and ending this pestilence when we so want him to do so? I suspect that just as it was 19 years ago and probably every other time the world has been shaken By a natural disaster, a plague, or a deadly war, people of faith everywhere are beginning to wonder that same thing. Where is God as we continue to see this suffering and death? And in those cities and communities around the country where the church has been shut down and closed for the majority of this pandemic, I can't help but worry about how many Christians who would usually be in the pews every single Sunday are beginning to find themselves questioning where God's mercy and deliverance has disappeared to as the number of cases and deaths continue to climb. Of course, the truth is that nearly 2,500 years ago, the prophet Isaiah himself was in that same spot, longing for God's advent, crying out for some direct supernatural intervention from God on behalf of God's people to end the suffering. The prophet Isaiah wanted nothing less than the heavens torn open and a fiery, visible God to swoop down and perform a miracle on the same level as the plagues of Egypt or the parting of the Red Sea. You see, at the time of the 64th chapter of the book of Isaiah, when it was written, Israel itself was in absolute and total ruin. As I mentioned in my homily just last Sunday, during the time of the great prophet Ezekiel. Around 586 BC, Israel had been defeated and destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and the Israelite people were brutalized and sent into exile away from their promised land. It is under that terrible time of exile that this final version of the prophet known as Isaiah is again addressing a dispersed people in Babylon who were themselves wondering why the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, had suddenly hidden his face from them and seemed to have forsaken them altogether. But the prophet will take their deep longing for God in the middle of that unexpected calamity, to try to get the people of God redirected and returned to that focus on the hope and salvation that's been there the entire time. The prophet cries out, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on God's name or attempts to take hold of God. It is, I believe, Isaiah's way of proclaiming that it is in that lost connection that's come with God that that sense of separation and anger from God has descended on God's people. And this, of course, is not the first calamity of this magnitude to have overtaken the Israelite people. The prophet Isaiah wants the Israelites to remember a thousand years before Babylon when the northern kingdom of Israel had been all but annihilated by another people to the north and south of the promised land, the Assyrians. It is most likely out of this tragedy that that great psalm we heard sung this morning becomes the first psalm of the Advent season. Hear, O shepherd of Israel, shine forth you that are enthroned upon the cherubim. Steer up your strength and come to help us. You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have given them bowls of tears to drink. You have made us the derision of our neighbors and our enemies laugh us to scorn. Restore us, O God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance and we shall be saved. We can only imagine that this very psalm eventually made it to the lips of those Hebrew people during the Babylonian exile all those years later. Along with the great prophet Isaiah, it is recalling the people to long for God again, to place their trust in the Lord, to remember God and to call on him as they had done in the past and to end their sins and iniquities that have carried them away from their trust in God, just as the wind carries dry leaves as the autumn turns suddenly into the dead of winter. For it is God who the prophet describes again this morning as the potter, who first worked the clay of the earth into his own image and breathed the breath of life into his people. It is God the Father who is always ready, always wanting to put away his anger and remember his people again, acting swiftly on their behalf. This action of remembering and reworking between a righteous God and a sinful, broken, frightened people is what must occur over and over again. And we see it happening over and over again in the history of the Jewish people and the history of our salvation. For the Babylonian exile eventually comes to an end. The people go home and with its ending, life and faith is restored to Israel and the people and the temple are rebuilt. It will once again be as the prophet proclaimed in verse 4. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. And brothers and sisters, that is certainly an Advent message that is as much for us this morning, I believe, as ever before, as much for this year in the middle of our own trauma as we've ever needed to hear again. A message calling us back calling us in the midst of fear and worry and struggle to use this new liturgical year set before us as a call to return to God, to assert, reassert our cry, and to long for God again as much as God longs for us, always with vigor, always with resolve, always with constancy. This process of remembering, of reworking, of waiting again and preparing for God's coming is always the work and process we as the church and the people are called to hold on to and to reconnect with and to start over with when we fall into fear and worry. Yes, we want God to tear open the heavens and come down right here and right now. But here's the question, even if God did choose to do something like that, We have to make sure our eyes and our ears and our hearts are always open and prepared to see God. Did God truly ever hide from the ancient Israelite people during the Babylonian exile or when the Assyrians destroyed the northern kingdom? Or did our ancient ancestors in faith simply allow themselves through their own unfaithfulness and panic to close their eyes to God's continuing presence and God's continuing action? Clearly, God never has forsaken his people. God did, in fact, steer up his strength and restore his people just as he promised. And God, I believe, is doing the very same thing for us, brothers and sisters, right now, whether we realize it or not. Dear friends in Christ, the season of Advent is but a scarce four weeks of liminal time in which we as God's people are called to remember to rework, to wait, and to prepare again for Christ's coming. It is a holy time and is essential for us as disciples. The church calls on all of us to observe this time of preparation and waiting so that when Christmas comes, we can see and remember the deeper meaning of that babe lying in the manger who is and always will be the very Son of Man who will one day tear open the heavens and come down to save His people. As Jesus Himself calls out to us again from the Gospel of Mark this Advent morning, keep awake, for you do not know when the Master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else He may find you asleep When he comes suddenly and what I say to you, I say to all keep awake. Jesus calls us this Advent season to again, keep awake. For Christ is coming. Christ is coming soon. Amen.